what is the value of your happiness owning a Tesla? I don't know. It's kind of like a weird, like, why would someone factor that in? Well, that does matter because you do drive it. I remember us talking the other day and I could tell you were in the Tesla because I think you were in auto drive or something. And I heard <laughs> it. So it's like you, you get that benefit and you're saying on average, you're making a thousand potentially more each month. So it's not like, you're not like getting rich, but like, I just want someone to understand, like you own a Tesla that makes you happy. You're making money and you have options for the future. And if worst case scenario, you could sell it and probably be ahead with the money that you brought in. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey, Ike, welcome to the Better Wealth Show. Thanks, Caleb. So I've been looking forward to this for a very long time because um, what everyone usually says is don't buy liabilities and a car is one of those biggest liability items. And for the most part, I, I would agree. I think a lot of people overpay on things like homes, on cars and other luxuries, and it ends up putting them more in debt, puts them behind. What I love about you is you've taken something that you've wanted to get, which is a Tesla, and you've also created that liability into an asset. You've been a friend, you've been a client. Um, it's been fun to jam with you for the last couple of years. And so I'm glad to have you on. Let's just talk about what this looks like. We might chop it up, uh, a personalized video and that's clickbaity for YouTube. Um, but my hope is that this long form will be really good for the podcast. And I'm, I'm excited that you're on here, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while with you as well, so I'm excited. So before before we jump in, why don't you talk? Just give a little bit of brief story of like who you are, what some of your epiphanies that you've learned in the last couple of years about money have been, and uh, and then we can go into the Tesla case study. Yeah, of course. So I'm Ike. I'm currently finishing up a graduate degree in analytics at the Institute for Advanced Analytics at NC State. Um, before that, I graduated from UNC with a degree in business and. I met you, what was it now, like five, six years ago, probably, um, right before my freshman year at UNC. I met you in Wisconsin. We talked about my Amazon business, talked about life insurance and stuff you'd been learning about. And I think we just really hit it off. And that whole next semester, you were willing to hop on video calls with me, explain to me the ins and outs, and get my first policy started when I was still halfway through my freshman year at college, which was huge for me personally. And Financially, I think that's one of the biggest epiphanies I've had is I liked it then, but now that I've actually used it for stuff like a vacation, I've used it for pretty much a cash advance because I knew I was going to make money, but I didn't have it yet. And so I really appreciated the flexibility of that. And then recently I was able to take out two bigger ones that I could buy both the Tesla Model Y and then I just bought a 2014 Prius so I can rent that out as well. What I what I very much appreciate about you is I remember you coming down visiting when we when I just left the bank I, we were starting better well if you were in the basement of a Papa John's building you were you remember that you were in that office and the 
how naive we were back in the day of just like <laughs> reading books, watching videos, making spreadsheets. It was uh, it was a ton of fun. And then I do remember um, the texts I got from you to say, "Hey, do you think it's crazy if I go and buy a Tesla with <laughs> with, with this uh, with a policy loan?" And and uh, you know, again, I shouldn't have assumed because how your mind works, it's all you're always thinking about how to make money. And normally, I'm not a huge fan of people taking a policy loan and buying a liability. Uh, but for you, it was pretty simple in your brain about like, you buy this thing, you rent it out, which I want you to talk about the details and, and, and then you're going to make a profit and you're going to own a car that you enjoy driving. So um, with that, let's talk about the math behind um, the, you know, renting out your, your Tesla and like the economics behind that, because again, um, I just think that this is going to be fascinating and get people thinking differently as it relates to cash flow and how they can make wealth. I don't know what numbers you want exactly, but I would say last year, some of the summaries is my first year doing it. I did 22,000 in first year revenue. Turo, the site I listed on and run it through, they take 10% for both liability insurance as well as marketing fees and site fees, all that typical stuff you see on the Airbnbs of the world. I really consider them the Airbnb of car rentals. They're the number one most downloaded app for the last several years for car rentals. They're really growing their market, both in luxury, performance, electric, and as well as just normal cars. It opens up a great income stream, I think, for people to be able to afford a car they might not be able to um, without it. And so I've been using it personally for the last year. I've gone on trips, saved lots of money on gas, but I've been able to clear a profit on the monthly payment ever since I got it. And and you and you mentioned payment. That's another thing that people freak out about. It's like, <laughs> oh, you got a car loan. Like that's that's horrible. And it's like, well, um, not not if you go back to what we teach about if your cost of capital, cost of control. So you took out a policy loan, I believe, for the down payment. Mm-hmm. And then you took out a a loan a loan from a credit union or bank. Do you want to break down what those looked like? How much the car um, cost you? And then essentially like what what out of pocket each year? And then what you're bringing in each year? And and just essentially like I liked how you broke down Turo is the Airbnb for cars. And yeah. in fact, we've used Turo a couple times when traveling. Uh, it's it's one of those things that um, I think people are going to continue to do more and more of that that behavior um, because you can get a better experience for cheap for cheaper yeah no, i completely agree i would say that i put i think twenty thousand down the car was sixty five thousand um it was pretty crazy for a tesla purchase and that they actually had something i liked on the lot um only a couple hours for me so i drove down to charlotte and got it. It was 65,000 total, but 20,000 down and the monthly payment over six years is 675. And the interest rate was three and a half, 3%. I don't know. It was a year ago. Interest rates were better, but they also threw in a three year of supercharging, which they almost never do because the Model Y had just been released a few months before, I believe. So I knew that if I got it, not only would I enjoy it, but it had a lot more space than the Model 3, but was still cheaper than the X and the S. And I don't know, those are some of the reasons I wanted to, I knew it would be successful is people go on, they want to rent a new car. I've had tons of people rent it for vacation, but I've also had a surprising amount rent it to test drive a Tesla. They want to drive it for one to two days because they don't 
have access. You can't test drive a Tesla almost ever. Yep. Um, what is the daily, what is the daily rate that you charge uh, for, for your car? Yeah, it's anywhere from like about 100, 110 up to like 160 during the more peak times in the summer or holidays. And so on average, how many times a month is it rented out? It might be, I think on average, I have maybe like anywhere between three and seven trips. It really just depends on how long the trips are. Um, away from the summer, a lot more of the trips are three, four days. Like every weekend's pretty much always 100% booked unless I block it off for my own travel. But the weekdays are great. Being close to an airport helps for that. But I think typically the days I have it rented are somewhere between 10 to 18 a month. Okay. So uh, just from the logistics, do people like Uber to you or is it in a lot or how do people like get in to the car? And then like the Tesla, like I, it's my Tesla is on my phone. Yep. So I'm sure that you don't, they, they don't, you don't give them the username, you give them the key. Um, so like, what are some of the, what are some of the logistics on like how you do that? Cause I'm sure people are starting to like get the gears turning. Um, and at the time of this recording, gas is pretty high. Um, and so it's like, man, people might be leaning more towards the, um, Tesla route, even from a, like a vacation, cause they could in some way justify it, which I'm sure brings up the price of, of, of the, uh, Turo rental. But anyways, like how do people like connect with you and what is the logistics of someone renting a car from you? Yeah. So I handled it differently at the beginning, but I've recently been moving more and more away from having to be there in person. So a lot of people will Uber to me. I'm 15, 20 from the airport. I'm close to downtown Raleigh. So people Uber there, they'll get dropped off um, several ways, but normally I'll give them the key card, like you said, but I've also started recently offering um, mobile app access during their trip. So I just add them as a driver. They set it up with the key card. Now they get to experience how nice it is to have your phone as a key while still having that backup. So plenty of times people just come to my house. I'm like, the car's unlocked, the key card's in there, enjoy. And that's all I have to do. Airports, a little more work, but basically I find a time that I can drive it over and I'll Uber back and have a friend pick me up and leave it in the parking lot, tell them where it's at. And when you have the mobile app, it's even easier to find it. You just look at the location. <laughs> do you ever wonder, because Teslas are are so fast and like, um, I, I just, you know, I, I have this like burnt in my memory. There's a person I follow who like was an underager, apparently like they were over 16, but they like rented a Tesla with like their friend's age. And then they were driving it crazy and taking videos and pictures. Like, what is your thoughts on that? Because I know like, that's quite frankly, one of the reasons why I've never considered it. But after talking to you, I'm go like, oh man, like you're, you're like, you're making money each month and you still own a Tesla and you still drive it when you want to. Yeah. So that is kind of scary, but honestly, not that scary. I have insurance, both personal and commercial. Um, yeah, like some people are going to, but also in my opinion, the demographics and typical renter profile for someone renting a more luxury vehicle is they're going to take better care of it. I mean, I've rented to people younger than me. They show you their driver's license. You're supposed to verify it at the time. Sometimes I'll have them send pictures in, but I think those are probably very rare cases. And if that happens, I just get unlucky. I will say though that one time I opened up the Tesla app after getting a notification and someone was going like 110, 120, and, but he was in Florida and I was like, well, what am I going to do? 
Oh, that's uh, I I appreciate how chill you are, and at the end of the day, it's insured, and you're not you don't have like this emotional attachment. It's not like a child. Um, yeah. It's a it's an asset that you enjoy. Um, so I know you shared some numbers, but do you what on average how what net what are you making off of each month? I mean, it's costing you about six hundred and seventy five dollars a month for the payment, and I'm assuming you're probably bringing in around two grand like what is your what are the yeah my typical grand? month is about 1800 to three grand um cash flow and that's after the 10 percent from turo or no sorry that's before the 10 percent from turo so like worst case scenario i'm bringing in like 1500 a month i pay 40 bucks for them to car wash i pay 200 for insurance so that brings it up a little over 900 so on a worst case month i'm probably making like three to six hundred dollars and on the better ones over a thousand a month and you put down uh twenty thousand dollar down payment for the car yep and a six or and a six-year loan yeah okay so yeah i mean we probably could break down the math um i might i might come back and actually do the math unless you've already done that that's i have have some up in a spreadsheet for my taxes but i have to pull it up (laughs) that's that's incredible we'll get that and maybe i'll like intro with it or during this time cut in and say um because we would really we would really compare that to like a real estate deal you you essentially have a real estate deal on wheels and you know the depreciation's higher i i do think tesla's i mean the the track record's yet to be seen but they they keep up their the maintenance is pretty low from a standpoint of it's like tires and windshield wiper (laughs) um fluid so well, maintenance is one of the biggest reasons I decided to do it because you look on videos online and repost and people are like, yeah, I'm bringing in this cash flow, but I'm spending 200 a month on maintenance. Yep. Whereas I did have, it's gotten already like 50,000 miles on it in a little over a year because I offer a limited distance. I wanted to have people rent it as much as possible and book it for any occasion. Maybe eventually I'll dial that back in, but for right now it's a competitive standpoint, but I don't know. I mean, the maintenance that I've had besides the tires is I rotate them every once in a while for free at the tire place. I bought my tires at, and I've had to replace the windshield wiper fluid for three bucks twice and literally nothing else. Like there's a small rattle in the back of my car that eventually I'll take to the service center, but like, it's not bad, but I like what you said earlier about the emotional connection. Cause I've had people ask me that and I'm like, I guess I generally don't have an emotional connection to my car. I mean, I drove a 08 Prius for four years. I don't care about cars. I'm not a car guy. So I don't have that. That's my baby connection. I'm like, this is an asset. If someone messes it up slightly, I'll charge them. If they don't mess it up badly enough, it's just a cost of doing business. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like, worst case scenario, it's like I lose everything and I sell the Tesla and I'm like, care like this much like yeah. I, I literally don't care um I'm, I'm actually more curious from a standpoint if you had to sell your tesla today with fifty thousand miles what is the market value um because right now used cars are pretty valuable and at the time of this recording again gas is like you know cre- <laughs> increasing well, up so well, i was thinking well, in my yeah. head i'm like i wonder if there's like if if teslas are like worth more uh then like like i just don't know what the market value on a tesla is but i think more and more people are like oh i want an electronic car yeah i 
remember looking up depreciation graphs before inflation, before gas prices, like pretty stable time at the end of 2020, relatively pandemic. But um, the depreciation history on them is it, like the same or better than most cars. And right now with the used car market, I'm sure I could probably still get, I don't know, 40 to 50,000 pretty easily, especially if I repaired the minor issues with it. But the biggest problem that I've had, which isn't something I knew about, was the initial battery capacity loss. And now that's kind of leveled out. <clears throat> it was like annoying to me at first, but I mean, the max range on my car is 325. And now my max range is probably like 300. It's not a big deal. So what what are the negatives about, about Turo? And what are the things that you wish you would have known that you know now about about this process? Because I'm sure, yes, it's great. You're making money. And I, I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes. But what are like the downfalls or some of the learning lessons that you've had going through this process? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest lessons I remember learning and I would agree with is Turo's insurance, depending on your risk profile, your cash available, et cetera, can be kind of bad. I mean, I get... 10% taken off for insurance, but that's on a 2,500 deductible. They're not going to cover the small things like someone hits your door, someone chips your windshield. You're going to have to deal with that with them privately out of it. If you can't file an insurance claim through Tura for that, but if you do the less, less risky one, you can still get 60 to 70% of your money with like almost no deductible. They'll cover those tiny things and they'll go through a typical insurance process, you get, you get a good claim, you probably make money off the insurance claim. But for me, I don't think that's worth it. But I think that's something that people need to realize is there's several levels of insurance that they offer. They also sell insurance on the renter's side. But let me think of some other negatives. I think I wish I knew how important copywriting was at the beginning. I've refined that a couple of times. My friend bought a model three and started it himself. And I read his description and I was like, this is a ton better than mine. So I was like, are you okay if I just copy this and change it for my car? And he's like, of course. But I think realizing that this is a business, you don't need to be taking, you can, but you shouldn't be taking photos with your iPhone with terrible angles and no marketing. You need to have good copy and you need to make sure that you have the right settings. I think I talked earlier, the unlimited miles, it makes you stand out, but it is a negative and something I'm going to continue to adjust because I've had people take it on several one to 2000 mile trips. And one person rented it for one week, drove from Raleigh to Oklahoma City to Houston and then back to Raleigh, which would have been fine if he did it in a normal time, but he did that over seven days. He was spending the whole time driving. I was so annoyed, but <laughs> that's just part of it. And then you also had someone going down to Florida driving 110 miles an hour. So the, the, the benefit with Tesla is you, you, have, you could always look over their shoulder uh, and, and you can uh, slow them down if you want them. Uh, yeah, I've thought about that, but I'm like, if I was in a rental car and someone was limiting me to 80, I'd be pissed. But I might want to look into setting it at 90 or 100. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And now, and now you have a second car. But I believe, yep. or is it that just for you? Or are you renting this out on Turo as well? Same thing, personal business kind of hybrid. My long-term goal, of course, is to buy a car actually through my LLC and not under my own credit. But as of right now, that's mostly a personal car. So, you know, I'll start renting it. I got the pictures in yesterday, so I'm about to put it online. 
and that's a 2014 Prius that I got used only with like 20,000 miles. And as far as maintenance goes, Priuses are pretty solid. So that one's even less risk because I'm fine paying a monthly payment. I traded my car in, I put nothing down. Worst case scenario, the used market is so good. I'll sell it for a few thousand loss and pay off the loan if I really get in a cash strap position. What, 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 what was the math breakdown on, on the Prius? Yeah, my trade-in was worth one or 2,000. I got a zero um, dollars down, five and a half year loan at 475. I bundled in stuff that every financial expert and advisor would say is stupid. I put in a comprehensive insurance on it. I got a, a layer of exterior and interior protectant. And then I got a tire warranty too, because they're like, it was gonna add 30 bucks a month to my monthly payment. And I'm like, that's really worth it for 84,000 miles. Cause if something does happen catastrophic, I'll be covered. And I think that's worth it if it's a business too. Especially if you are going to do unlimited miles, which I'm not sure you're going to do on that, but it's kind of like a, uh, you're a little bit of insurance, not just for you personally, but for your, for the business. Mm -hmm. um, and so what does that rent out on Turo a day? Um, I did some preliminary market research and there's honestly, there's only four Priuses in all of Raleigh and they were between 50 to $70 a day. And so if it rents out 10 days at 60, that's 600 minus 10% for the fees. So that's 540. So it's 70 bucks of profit on 20 days of me using it. So about, about nine days is break even. Yep. Um, and if you rent it more than nine days, it's, uh, profitable. And again, it's just one of those things where yes, cars, unlike real estate, they, they will depreciate. It's, it's not, it's not like the exact same thing of buying a rental real estate property, but what's cool is it allows you to potentially rent out the Tesla more. <laughs> Cause yep. if I know something about you, Ike, uh, <laughs> you probably will rent it out for 160 and, and drive a Prius as long, as long as there's demand. Uh, yep. but it also would allow you to take the Tesla um and you know still still have a car that is a is an asset so i i love i love how your brain thinks and i i hope it just gets the the juices flowing for a lot of people in my audience any anything else you want to say from from the standpoint of cars and yeah. turo and the money breakdown and this is again like anything you want to say about like the any epiphanies and working with us as it relates to like oh like i'm not saying we helped you with this idea i can't take any credit um, but through the process, there's multiple epiphanies that you've had. That's always fun to hear you process. Yeah. So I thought of one other thing, as you said, the price, while I would love to always charge 160, I'm always going to take a hundred dollars if it rents out for three days that are non-prime time. So Turo already has an algorithm or model built out where you set your min and max, and then you say, use automatic pricing. So you can still have some control. You can say, I don't want to run it for less than 130, but it'll automatically adjust based on the demand around you, what the other competitors are doing. So I really appreciate that. And then I would say people are, especially on your podcast, are going to be thinking, okay, one, two cars, that's great, but how do I scale it? And going back to the real estate example, well, I might not be a property manager, but I do manage my friend's model three. He saw me do this. He worked with you guys before, and now he used his and asset to finance his Tesla with less down and has already reached the all-star host level in like maybe 
five, six months since he started and quicker than me and he's doing great. And I take 10% after Turo takes 10% to take it to the car wash to get it charged and drop it at the airport. Awesome. And I think that's really cool. So I would say the way to scale it is to let your friends know what you're doing and if they're interested, you bring their car in, in under your brand. I'm an all-star host. I have like 70 trips, like 4.98 stars. Like awesome. that's valuable to start with. And if your friends want to get a Tesla, your friends want to get the new BMW, they can, and you can help them. It's awesome. I, I love it. There, my my mind goes to, I, I want to build a calculator. I, I, I think it would be actually pretty simple. It's like you put in your initial investment, you put in your monthly cash flow that's going out and for the term, you put in your assumed value at the end of six, seven years, like when the term's up and you put in what your cash flow is getting. Um, and then I, there's other things. There's always other factors that you have to measure, um, you know, but it would be, and then we could probably kick out a rate of return, not on just like, you know, rate of return, but then also like a return on cash flow. And um, it would be pretty, pretty cool. And, and the other cool thing is that, you know, real estate might be, uh, you know, that's a commitment, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, majority of people can get a cars. I'm also curious, and those of that follow me know I'm not a huge fan of like paying cash for cars, but there's a world where you could, you know, pay cash for cars and make this profitable and then potentially refinance it with a local credit union or bank. And so it, the, the, uh, there's endless, there's endless opportunities here. And I think one of the cool opportunities is Turo like Airbnb creates that marketplace. And if they haven't already taken over the rental car market, uh, they will. Cause as you know, Airbnb is the more people stay in Airbnbs than in hotels. Yeah, um, lodging rates. I don't know what they call that in hotels. But. Or maybe I, I'll correct myself more people like Airbnb is like the top out of any other hotel chain. And they yeah. don't own a single house. So it's like props to in innovation and, you know, Silicon Valley creating something that's incredibly valuable. The network effect of, you know, the end consumer and the person that has the supply. It's it's really cool to see that. Um, any other examples that you want to use from a standpoint of taking like liabilities? I know we mentioned something okay. about ticket sales and all this stuff. Like any other examples in just your in your life and history that you've taken a quote unquote liability were creative and uh, made that an asset on the back end. Yeah, so I'll do the season ticket example, but I'm gonna have to cut this, but real quick, I'll talk about my epiphany first. I have never been able to get the graph out of my head that you showed me and you show your clients with the difference between cash and finance and how no matter what, you're going back to a net zero. Whereas a compounding growth of that green line and the loan underneath it, that's what showed me and that's, what's always shown me the value of an and asset and I'm excited that I'm starting a real job soon so I can start putting more money into an and asset. But right now I have 12,000 out in loans from that for my two cars and I haven't paid a penny back because quite frankly, I don't care. And I know I will, but there's no pressure now, which right. is great. And, and the math behind that, if, uh, for those wondering is, you know, let's, let's assume that the cost of capital is costing you 4% for your policy loan and your, Tesla and your Prius and your other activities are earning a greater rate of return. And so um, the moment that that's not the case, we should take money and pay back that loan. But as long as the policy is, is enforced and it's not, you know, it's not like over leveraged, uh, mm-hmm. it really comes down to a math game and a preference game. And I always 
um, kind of cringe when people are like, you have to pay back your loan. And they're like selling other assets or, or taking their money from being more productive to pay off a loan. It's, it just goes back to math and um, potentially bad teaching. With that, be, with that said, human behavior uh, can also backfire on people that are too aggressive. And so I think it's a, it's a balance there. But, but I remember uh, having that conversation with you and um, you're an analytical person. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> show, show me the numbers and I'll, I'll, I'll make the decision. Yeah, as soon as you said the word calculator, I was already thinking of how I could code that. So <laughs> I remember I built that calculator to help compare retirement accounts and life insurance accounts for better wealth, like towards the end of me working at Northwestern that I just did for fun. So I guess that's that's a fair take that I am analytical, but my grad degree is also incredible learning more about the numbers and math and connecting it to programming. And obviously comp size is going to always be in demand from now on. So it's been exciting. I'll finish with the season ticket example. So my thinking for this is I did it sophomore year of college. I bought Hornet season tickets. I sold them. I made barely anything, but I also went to zero of the game that didn't sell. Now that I'm moving back to Charlotte, I just got Charlotte FC season tickets and I'm about to purchase Hornet season tickets because I love sports. I love going to them. People would consider that normally not even a liability. They would just consider that an expense. But for me, it's a weird mix between an asset and just something that I personally enjoy. The games that don't sell, big games I want to go to, I have every power to do it and I got them on discounted rates. But if a friend wants to go, they can go with me for free or cheap. And then if you sell them on the third party sites, then you can easily make 20 to 50 bucks a game, depending on the sport and the city and demand, of course. But if you like sports and you've always wanted to get season tickets, you have to think through that you don't have to go to every game because you own season tickets. You can go to four or five out of 16, sell the other 12 and have gone to four games for free. And it's not even the cash part. They all offer 0% financing, if you're comfortable with that, I guess. But I am. What I love so much about this this episode, Ike, is it's like, okay, you wanted to own a Tesla. Was I an inspiration for that? Or did you drive other people's Teslas as well? Um, Both. My dad rented one on Turo in like okay. 2017. So I'd seen it from that side. Okay. <laughs> but I loved riding in yours. Um, yours was the first I actually got to ride in that was newer cool so so it's like you you asked the question and robert kiyosaki's kind of made, made famous for for this phrase it's like instead of saying i can't afford it uh ask the question how can i afford it and and you're like okay so going back to that calculator example the tough the the reason why calculators are, are hard to measure is what is the value of your happiness owning a tesla I don't know. It's kind of like a weird, like, why, why would someone factor that in? Well, that does matter because you do drive it. I remember us talking the other day and I could tell you were in the Tesla because I think you were in auto drive or something. And I heard it. <laughs> so it's like you, you get that benefit and you're saying on average, you're making a thousand potentially more each month. So it's not like, you're not like getting rich, but like, I just want someone to understand, like you own a Tesla that makes you happy you're making money and you have options for the future. And if worst case scenario, you could sell it and probably be ahead with the money that you brought in. Yeah. It's just, just one of those things, same with this, uh, the season tickets. It's like, you, you want to do that activity. So 
you think outside the box and you're like, hey, maybe at this time in my life, I'm not going to go to every single game, but I'm going to get a situation. It's almost like an option contract. It's like, I'm going to buy the right for this. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm going to go, but if, but if the demand's high, I'm just going to sell the option. Um, and, and so it's just one of those things where I absolutely love, and uh, I would love to hear from you. And by the way, if you have similar stories, if you have if you have a, a story like this and you want to come on the show, um, we're we're starting a new segment talking all about different ways to think. You came to our workshop, Ike, and we yeah. ended the workshop with just like a an activity of like alternative investment uh, ideas, and 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 it was so fun to he hear people stand up and be like, "This is what I'm thinking," and like I'm going to convert a bus into like a Airbnb rental, like, you know, like that's crazy. And like, there's, there's so many good ideas and just that, that time alone is like so valuable. And, and I, you got to share a little bit about this, which made us be like, Hey, we got to get you on the show to break down the math. Yeah. I'm super happy. I got to be on. I know you've wanted me to do a podcast about this for a while, but it's a lot easier not to have the numbers and it's not just all here's what could work in theory. I've now actually proved it to myself and my parents and everyone else who did not necessarily want me taking out a $45,000 loan um, before I even graduate. But there's always other ways, in my opinion, and I'm blessed to be able to have done this and I enjoyed it. Your financial workshop was incredible. I mean, you can't put a price tag on those events for the value they bring, the ideas, the networking, the people you get to be to meet. I mean, the dinner itself was probably the most impactful thing for me, just sitting there talking to Demetrius, talking to two other people from the workshop for a couple hours over some great food, but <laughs> it was great to meet them, meet people like me and spend a weekend away. I love it. I love it. Any, any final words for um, someone that you've just inspired that wants to do something different. Maybe their parents are cringing a little bit about <laughs> um, an activity. What, what, what would be your like final piece of advice? Any uh, parting shots before we close this interview? Yeah, I would say just trust the numbers. If you can find the numbers, do a little market research, like get good numbers. Bad numbers aren't going to do anything for you, but get good numbers, look into it. And I think what you said about Robert Kiyosaki is great. Think about how can I afford it? There's going to be things you can't afford and you shouldn't do, but there's a lot of creative ways now with the internet and the digital economy to make money off things you enjoy. So find something you enjoy and then figure out how you can afford it. Don't go the traditional route. You don't have to buy a home. You don't have to buy a car in cash. Those are all old, in my opinion. They're all pieces of wisdom. They're traditional. They make sense to the average consumer. But if you think outside the box, they don't make any sense in my, in my eyes for what I want to use money for. Yep. Understand opportunity cost, understand yep. cash flow, understand the, um, the power of asking how, um, cause a lot of times just like just by this episode, people are going to start thinking differently and they're going to start seeing opportunities and there might be an opportunity in your town to rent out lawnmowers or who knows, yeah. like, um, but there's just so much, so much uh, potential out there. And one of the core values that we have is if you can invest and, and put your time into value creation and that value creation is, is valuable to the marketplace, money will follow because money is essentially just a debt for value. It's just a scorecard for value. And it's, it's one of those things where I, I talked to uh, a good friend uh, the other day and he was saying, Caleb, like an epiphany that I've had in working with you guys is like, I want to invest in things that I understand the value. 
Like I understand how it creates value. And that's like another way to reduce risk. And it's like, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it was just like, that was like an epiphany that went off for him. And it was just like that, those kind of statements like make me happy because he's working on a deal that is pretty creative. That's going to add tremendous value, but also create a moat around their business and just and create more security, more money, more cash flow, more opportunities. And it's like one deal created all of that. And it's just that same mindset. So I uh, appreciate you so much. Um, how can people stay in touch with you? I know that this is not like you don't come on a lot of shows, you have nothing to sell. <laughs> what is the best way for people to be connected with you and follow what you're up to? Yeah, if people are interested from this episode and they want to hear more, ask specific questions for their market, I'm more than willing to help. I don't have any YouTube videos or podcasts teaching this, but you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Ike Ingle. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this can find me. My name is pretty unique. So if you're interested, just send me a connection, have a little message there, ask about Turo and I'll accept it. And we'd love to talk more about it with anyone. Amazing. Ike, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.